you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card member, you'll know a thing or two about an expertly packed capsule wardrobe that balances business and leisure. So you can go from conference sleek to cocktail party chic with a few new accessories. You can hustle from 9 to 5 before exploring with ease from 5 to 9. Because you're the chief excursion officer. The Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card. If you travel, you know. Learn more at go.amex slash you know business. When you're constantly on the move, it's not just pits that break a sweat. From your armpits to your thighs and everywhere in between, new whole body deodorant cream and sticks from Shea Moisture are your secret weapon to staying fresh and confident all day long. Made from melanin-rich skin and packed with plant-based goodness, embrace a new era of freshness with whole body and stick deodorants from Shea Moisture. Find them at your nearest Walmart and walmart.com. And when you do, your whole body's covered. This week's episode of The Friend Zone is brought to you by Talkspace. With Talkspace, you get unlimited messaging to your dedicated, licensed therapist Mm. and only for $32 a week. And you can schedule a live video session, you guys, with your therapist right from your smartphone. We're all for mental health and wellness here at The Friend Zone. And Mm -hmm. now you have access to an affordable, confidential, convenient method of therapy, y'all. This is the digital age, not a game. But go to Talkspace.com slash zone for a special $30 discount off your first month. Or download the Talkspace app on the Apple or Android app store and use coupon code ZONE. Talkspace, therapy for how we live today. Welcome to the Friends. Every time I'm in the zone. If our love is gravity, why aren't you my clarity? If our love, if if our love, if if our love, if if our love, if well, if our love for another week, so grab a glove, cause you gotta do that shit pretend. If if you don't got the shit, you get rejected. Cause the love is clean and pure. And you know with me, then you know it's for sure. I'm forever in your heart from the start. And I'm gonna open the book with another part like No So much fucking with now I can't meet you at the door I got my dick out You know it's the weekend And I'm only thinking about freaking So girl come on over Do what you wanna I wanna lick on your shoulder Oh I'm on Weekend, all I'm thinking about is creeping, freaking, maybe not even speaking. Rub off, oh, oops, I think I'm leaking. You see that spot? Oh, see, it's tweaking. Looks like my thing is straight speaking. Straight for me, ladies adore me. A lot of men in these streets want to whore me out. Guess what? That's not, I got clout. My name is Dustin Ross, and I don't speak. I spout, huh? I don't got no gout. I walk straight with my back on my way out. I ain't thinking about your click, click, clout. I don't know what. That was it just came out my mouth I said I rap like I'm from the down south Sometimes I don't know Sometimes I just flow All I know is when it's time to go That I'm the first motherfucker shopping That's for sure Hey, what's up friend? You look so beautiful
beautiful. I like your red sweatshirt. You look smoothful. That's Smooth-a. a new word. Googleable. <laughs> and if you didn't find it, it's because it's beautiful. Hey. hey! So good. Hey. So good. Hey. So good. I hate y'all. I've been singing that for a week straight, damn it. Who knew? Let and who knew? And who knew you always you are gonna get a note from Fran at the beginning oh, of the show? Okay. Who knew? Y'all okay. just heard Take it. Take that who note knew? and run People with it. People keep saying it, but it's a commercial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, speaking of other things, people keep saying. <laughs> speaking of other things, people keep saying, how was it being on SNL with the Soul oh, Angel? God. Because you. you did not tell me you would be gracing the stage <laughs> twice with one salon. I'm dead, dead and gone at how my phone blew up. Congratulations. <laughs> for being on SNL. Like, if that wouldn't have been a church announcement on <laughs> What? What? The church announcements would have been at the beginning that week. Oh, okay. Jonathan Mena was like, you was trying to stunt. <laughs> <laughs> that was a quiet stunt. Word to Mena. <laughs> Shout out to Mena. Okay. Be safe, though. <laughs> What's up, you guys? No, so you're not going to tell us about how we was singing for so long? I wish I could. Okay, I just, you know. Loki, she was waiting on me to say, welcome to the Friend Zone, your hey. weekly show. And looking at all so things, good. mental health. So good. Mental wellness so and mental hygiene, because so who wants to not? So good. So Musty good. brain. So good. So good. <laughs> People who didn't listen last week were like, what oh. is happening? <laughs> Shout out to last week and the, 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 the legendary week that will go down in podcast history where we made a commercial become nominated for Song of the Year at the goddamn Grammys, because that's what's coming Could up next. Imagine? Impact, influence. If they get nominated, I would just like to be there. We're okay, going to be because, there because we did it. And I, I need, grassroots. I need my own so good as well. So I, good. I need it. so good. So good. <laughs> so good. I'm but the fifth I, one. I, so good. Okay. <laughs> I screamed though when I saw all the comments on YouTube. Yo, y'all shout out to y'all for doing Talking this. about friends on brought me. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and then one of y'all talking about y'all need to cut friends on the check. Yeah, I like keep y'all it out up. there. The keep friend it zone up. fever. That's what I'm keep calling. Keep that up. Let <laughs> their asses know you know that the friend zone is a show where we believe in letting your voice be heard even when ain't nobody listening make them <laughs> so <laughs> keep that up keep as putting the word out so good so good so good <laughs> for those of you that are wondering where so good so came good. from Oh my God, I'm we so want, mad. It's so good. We got it so nice. We got to do it twice. So the <laughs> okay. homework once again this goddamn week oh, no. is to go on YouTube and look up the Crown Royal Vanilla commercial. So good. I guarantee it'll change your life. Am I lying, friend? <laughs> it will do something. There you go. <laughs> so welcome to the Friend Zone. How's everybody doing out there tonight? Good. I am not lucky. I'm blessed. Yes. yes. <laughs> so... On last week's show, we talked about toxic positivity. And as always, a lot of you had a lot to say all over the internet. Who would like to stand? Who would like to stand? I am out of church. <laughs> who would like to, to say what stood out to them the most? Asante. Hey, Brittany. Mm-hmm. Decided to email us. Hey, Shout out Brittany. to Brittany. Mm-hmm. And the email is titled Positivity is Toxic dot 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 sometimes. Anyway, I wanted to offer a different perspective on the positivity question. When I'm not at my oppressive job or in class, I work as a therapy intern with Did you terminal- say oppressive job. God damn. I mean, damn. I work as a- <laughs> she work Trump pins. Look, look, and then when she's not there, when she's not at her oppressive job or in class, I work as a therapy intern with terminally ill clients. Mm-hmm. Trump pins. 
These clients know that because of their diseases, they're going to die sooner rather than later. Trump oh, no. pants. I don't say it that way to be a downer. I say it like that because that is the way is. my clients have thought me. That is the way my clients have thought me that they prefer to be said. That is why I found some of things in your positivity episode kind of triggering. I'm an extremely positive person. Fran, I relate to you and you your optimism on a spiritual level. Is no, best. you didn't read it like that. <laughs> you are so I mean. was trying to fix optimism. it. Optimism. No, it, it, no it, it was optimism, but they forgot the honor. Previous. It, it's not. I, I relate to you and your optimism on a spiritual level. But when I started working with this population, I was continuously being told by everyone, my clients and my supervisor, my supervisors, that my positivity was only helping me feel more comfortable, not my clients. Wow. Because my clients are not going to get better, Many of my clients often describe the positivity they receive from their friends and family as toxic. They know that everyone's positivity is coming from a good place, which for my clients makes dealing with it even harder because they know they now also feel guilty for not being positive on top of feeling like a burden because of their illness. Most of my clients aren't worried about themselves, but what will happen to their loved ones or often after they're gone and this positivity often keeps my clients and their families from moving forward in acknowledging and preparing for their death process. For many of my clients, all they want to do is prepare for death because they know it's going to happen and all the positivity is doing is masking the inevitable. It can be suffocating and hindering to their own grieving and dying process. They don't always need positivity. They need realism. So I think that that was something great that you touched on. They don't need positivity. They need realism. (coughs) And I think that's one of the things that we kind of forgot to touch on. Sometimes when someone's being positive, it doesn't necessarily take away from the um, you know the realistic aspect you know they're trying to put you back into perspective. That's why it was so hard last week to speak on someone you know trying to be positive and it's cancer you know because you know it is the inevitable in that sense. But you want to be positive and realistic to them in that sense. So I understand what you're saying in this sense. But at the same time, <laughs> I girl, think this is where I was misunderstood last week, right? Because when we talked about positivity, and I was very very convicted in my opinions about the good natured. Um, state of positivity when you're trying to comfort somebody that's experiencing some sort of hardship, right? Mm -hmm. So I I think that I don't want to be misconstrued when I talk about being positive. I'm not saying go sit down and tell somebody that's literally terminally ill and facing death, telling them everything's going to be all right. (laughs) Right. Because it's literally not. But goddamn, I will come in. We can sit up and talk about the good times. We can sit up and crack jokes and shit. And and that's positivity. I agree. So that is what I was referring to. I I just want that to be clear. Like I wasn't, I don't want to mislead people and think that I would be misleading people. No, I don't. And even just saying, no, that's what I'm saying. Even just saying like, you need to be realistic. But who's to say that being realistic doesn't mean that you can bring someone joy what is that like uh, people get these words so confused at least in my opinion when my my grandmother passed last year and there was no coming back from it when she was like you know when they say you're in like the final stages and obviously like Dustin just said you're not gonna be like you're gonna be good God's just making this hard for you like we knew it was done it was the end of the chapter but we had her laughing, telling her stories yes. about dumb shit we used to do to make her laugh. You know what I mean? And that was what I mean by you can wallow in the pain of what's happening. We all accepted what was happening, but we also made room for her to breathe about mm. it. You know what I mean? And that's if I can provide respite, if I can yes. provide a moment for you to just be like, 
okay, this is happening, but like I can kind of just like get through today one foot at a time. Like that's positivity. Mm. It doesn't mean I'm going to sit in your face with a rainbow, like cheer up girl. And then you're in bed with tubes coming out your nose. You know what I mean? Like yep. that's realistic to me. What just like the Spice Girl said, all you need is a positivity. <laughs> so that's you. Hey, well, spice up your life. I don't know how to read this. Jerzamerd. Jerzamerd. I can't stand y'all. Jerzamerd <laughs> on SoundCloud. Spell it, please. J R Z M D R D. J R Z B B O D. B B O D. They look like some Jerzamerds. Breath on deck. He said it look like. You know what? While we talking about that, somebody signed us up on the BBOD list. They not me. Emailing. Not my generation. Wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> not my generation. Someone signed the friend zone up to BBOD. You know what? I don't know if that email comes to one, one of my email accounts or the friend zone, but I'm pretty sure I'll be swiping. Your own spot I'm, I, I promise you, I'll be seeing them Facebook emails and then that BBOD email. But no, <laughs> I will not. say somebody this. Somebody did that a joke on us, probably. I, I know we're getting back to your email, Absolutely. but I, I ran into them. I, I was. Uh, um, filming something and they were filming the same project I was and I ran into them at a studio and oh they were very sweet girls yeah. um, and very much exactly what you see on TV in person <laughs> but they were very what sweet they were very sweet girls <laughs> they were they were very sweet girls I just want to put that out there and I like be clear the, I like the one girl that looked like Ashanti she's my favorite because mm-hmm. she always talks mm-hmm. real high Riley mm-hmm. okay, well, I did want to ask them why they got styled by the Universal Circus <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I, I held back. Okay. But they were very sweet girls. I want to reiterate that they were so sweet. See, okay, I like friend, the toxic positivity. <laughs> they were now very that's, sweet. That's toxic positivity. Oh <laughs> <laughs> Nene, snap. Because no. it can't just be regular snap. <laughs> Go on, friend. Okay, let's, let's try that again. So Jerzamerd on SoundCloud said, I'm the type of person. Oh, my God, y'all. <laughs> I'm the type of person that if something devastating happens to me, if I lose someone important in my life, if I get fired, if I get in a fight, I insist on experiencing those feelings thoroughly so I can really examine what's happened, so I can meditate on that, feel it from every perspective so I can heal. After a breakup, I love sitting at home listening to Sade as opposed to going to the club. It does suck to live in that in that moment, but I just know that I operate better in that way. I feel it is a necessary step before positive thinking. Sometimes forcing positive thinking will feel more like repression, ignoring the issues and emotions and never really resolving those feelings. Another thing I remember hearing before is that when someone's suffering from depression, it does less to say things like on the bright side or <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so fucked up in written word, right? Right. <laughs> God. Okay. Or at least you're not so and so. Wow. Oh fuck. At least you're not count as far. <laughs> Duh. Duh, she's a so-and-so I'm wifey <laughs> Sidebar <laughs> Go ahead, friend Just, just, go, let just, her just go. Let yeah. her Please, because I don't want to keep please. cutting you off just. I love you so much, friend <laughs> You're so, so nice you, You're you the real sweet girl For real, friend <laughs> Y'all have me down okay. No, not to me <laughs> Please, no oh. Okay, wait <laughs> 
In my experience, my friends have found more comfort in me being empathetic and saying, hey, I've been there, and if you want to cry, I will cry with you, just as long as you trust me that it does get better. Now, Jerzenberg, this is exactly what I was saying last week. I think I can see how people, especially if you haven't listened to the show prior to last week, um, my whole brand is about facing what you're going through. And the difference is some people will wallow and stay stuck in that chapter. I have friends and family that have been depressed about the same thing that happened to them. I have uncles and aunts that have been alcoholics over a breakup from like the 80s. You know what I mean? Like some people don't move past certain events. Now, that's to me is wallowing. Positivity doesn't mean that you don't sit in the feelings you sit in it but just like you said you do it because you understand that that's the process that leads to getting through it so that you can then look back and be like okay I had to go through that to bring me to where I am now which is a positive way of understanding how your mind works so it comes down to the same thing (laughs) so I think I think people misunderstanding what being positive means. It just doesn't mean ignore it. I mean, you guys know I don't play that at all. I'm the queen of sit in it, you know. Oh, God, that was awful. (laughs) They related to distraction, you know. Yeah. Most things, you know, are supposed to be like a Band-Aid and help us feel better sometimes when presented to us, but we don't realize that positivity like we said happy is a process it's not actually yeah, just it's given the, to you it's right how you it's take the it. process of knowing that things are going to get better that's what i mean by positivity that doesn't mean that because i'm a happy person now that i don't have fucked up shit right. to deal with i absolutely do who doesn't but i'm in a point now where when we've said it before <clears throat> everything that happens i know that's just a promotion of some sort so i get through the process like they i saw a graffiti piece the other day that said trust the struggle And I was like, word. And that's what it comes down to. You know, it's not about us doing cartwheels in someone's hospital bed, (laughs) like hospital room, you know. So, Dustin, what'd you find in these Twitter streets? In these streets. In these streets. Oh, in these streets. In these streets. Not in the median, not in the middle of the road, but in these streets. Yeah. On Twitter. Okay, so what I found in these Twitter streets this week, first of all, I want to give a shout out to at look at Sydney, um, who answered the Twitter question, how did you come up with your Twitter name? And she said, honestly, stole at look at Dustin's name. And I just appreciate it because you know what? (laughs) She real. So shout out to her. Um, I would like to also give a shout out to a young lady who some of y'all might know some of y'all might not know but I love her so much her name is Hey Fran Hey who tweeted I'm hella thankful I pay attention to you whether you know it or not she tweeted I'm hella thankful for every plate of food every time that shower turns on every time I walk into my crib and close that door and I just thought it was so poignant and so timely that um, we just need to be aware of the moment and be 100% present wherever our feet are and be grateful for whatever manifests itself as a blessing in the space where you are right then. Preach. It's always important to be aware of that. So thank you for that. Thank you. I made it on Dustin's Twitter stream. For the second time because you already been on there. <laughs> 
I would also like to give a shout out to at data people. That's at D-A-T-A-P-E-P-P-L-E who drew and created the cutest cartoon called data people comments. And she, they oh, created it around. She's done some work for me too. She has. Yeah, so see, so definitely. Some of my quotes like, but totally like on her own, just inspired. She's, she's amazing, awesome. right? Yes. She Shout she did a cartoon her. based on the when she's we were really talking young. about you change. She Super is sweet. Yes, very young. Really, well, she's really amazing. So shout out to her. She created a whole cartoon around the the line when we were talking about when people say you change and you tell them thank you. Yeah. She made a cartoon about that and it's the cutest thing with these black characters and one of the girls has blonde hair and the other one has a really cute like asymmetrical haircut. So it's real. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's real work. shit. So shout out to Data People Comments once again. That's D A T A P E P P L E. The last tweet that I would like to highlight comes from at Dom the Lovely at D O M T H E L O V E L Y Dominique, who said, "When the little girl your nephew has a crush on says she's going to be grapes for Halloween, so he asked to be grapes too." And she oh attached the God, most what? adorable picture at a at a elementary school classroom of a beautiful little girl that looks like she may be Spanish. She's a brunette little girl. She's so beautiful, and she has purple balloons all around her, attached to her like a bunch of purple grapes. <laughs> And apparently this girl's nephew has a crush on her, so he's grapes too, but he's green. Look at this, you guys. Oh. It is literally the cutest thing ever, 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 ever. I so like how he's sitting behind her like, gotta do what you got to do. retweet it. But yes, um, it's amazing. So I just want to give a shout out to those people in the street. And as a bonus, one last thing. Give a shout out to at Brandfire, B-R-A-N-F-I-R-E, who tweeted a clip of Raphael Sadiq's Ask of You video, and that's one of my <gasps> all-time favorite songs. Ask of You by Raphael Sadiq, friend. I, I know you feel me. It's one of my favorite songs of all time, so I just wanted to highlight that like a like a bright yellow pen. Let's go. <laughs> Bar sentencing. They gotta do this. I'm a rapper. <laughs> Let's oh go. God. So on this week's show... That we don't know. We don't know. We're going cold. <laughs> no turkey. So yeah. we, so on this show, we have discussed eating well. We've discussed um, no, journaling. No, 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 you see. Okay, okay. We've dis- even on last week's show, we discussed positivity and how these are things in your life that you can try to gain control of. Obviously, when those harsh, heavy, depressive feelings hit, sometimes it feels overwhelming, more often than not. But there are processes that you can start to set in place, right, to try to help you feel better. And that's pretty much what this entire friend zone mission has been. So I had been talking to one of my mentors and she was saying to me, this was like years ago, she said to me, because I was going through something really stressful at the time, And I was drinking a lot. (laughs) And I remember she said to me, you are um, restructuring your DNA by doing that. And I looked at her like, what? (laughs) I'm just drinking. Chill out. And she's like, no, I'm serious. She was like, you are changing your DNA because you're telling your body that when it stresses, you need a drink. And it starts... Um, conditioning itself and that's why you keep drinking more and more and it becomes like an automatic habit but when she said I was changing my DNA I thought that was like some quack shit you know I didn't understand then years later I know a lot of you are familiar with Neil deGrasse Tyson (laughs) who is the what is he an astrophysicist 
who is an American astrophysicist. Is he the guy that does the cosmos and stuff? Yes! Oh, my God. Isn't he awesome? Hell, yeah. He's a lot smarter than yeah. Ben Carson's dumb black doctor ass. <laughs> fucking it up for everybody. I want to meet him. You don't follow him. him on Twitter? He no. is fantastic. And I watch all them little... I get high as hell and be watching the fuck out of them things. He turns literally everything into science, whether yes. it's a TV show... And it, it makes it really engaging. A like, basketball the, the game that's and, on. Like, he's so interesting to follow. But... He had a special on epigenetics. And when I... But who did what now? I'm explaining it. Epigenetics. And I was so fascinated when he started talking. Anything he talks about, I'm just like... (gasps) But I was so fascinated because he breaks down science in a way that's like palatable. So he started saying epigenetics apparently is like this new field of study. The information itself obviously isn't new because there's nothing new under the world, but the research under the world, (laughs) under the sun, but the research is starting to be developed and it's something that people are really looking into where they're starting to combine the sciences and molecular biology with social sciences, meaning, Mm. you know, external factors and environmental things that you're doing, like what you're eating, what you're drinking, behaviors that you're starting to tie into each other when you're stressed, when you're nervous, and how it's changing your molecular biology. So he had a whole special, and of course, you know me, anything with like how to change yourself for the better. Like I was like, I need to learn this. I need to tap in. A lot of it, you know, the science is really complicated, so I tried my best to grasp it. But it just became fascinating to me ever since because I remembered years ago when my homegirl said, stop drinking so much, you're changing your DNA. And I was like, relax. And to hear him now, all these years later, say that this is a new modern field of biology that's being explored. And though it's still controversial, obviously, there are a lot of scientists that are like, hell no, this is stupid, you know, Issues. I actually it was funny to see scientists fighting each other in the YouTube comments. I was like, this is a whole other world of YouTube <laughs> that I'm like new to. It was so fascinating. But long story short, it, epigenetics is the study of changes in organism caused organisms caused by modification of gene expression rather than alteration of the genetic code itself. So the way that he explained it is your DNA, your genome. You know, the genes that make you you, that's the hardware on the computer. But then epigenetics, that's the software. Mm. So that's everything around you that you are um, putting on top of that coding that's telling your genes how to express itself. So the fight that I was seeing online and in these documentaries with scientists being like, you know, you spiritual people need to stop telling people that they can change their genetic code because it's not scientifically possible. But there was a scientist who disagreed. Her name is Nessa Carey. I want you guys to look her up. She's fantastic. Nessa? Right, Nessa? And she's this, like, older white lady from the U.K., so it's fascinating oh, so that her name is Nessa. <laughs> she's still a Nessa, though. You see she got the shit started. Like, hold up. <laughs> right? She Go was ahead. like, let me explain to you. She's like, okay, These external behaviors that people are doing may not change the actual code because those codes come from your parents. You know, you get three billion codes from your dad, three billion codes from your mom that create the cookbook and recipes that makes you you. There's nothing you can do to change those things. But she said, but epigenetics 
is not saying that you're going to change any of those codes, but it's saying that while DNA is, is, she said, imagine it as a script if you're an actor. Epigenetics are the post-it notes that the director's adding on top. So while the script itself underneath might not change, you're still going to be mindful of the post-it notes and create the changes on how to express that script. So she was saying it's important. So while it might not change the code, if you're still acting out differently, what's really the difference? You know what I mean? So they started doing experiments to prove it. And they started with these poor mice. <laughs> I knew he was going to bring know, up with these mice. It, hurt, it broke my mm-hmm. heart, but go I mean... Go on, go on, go on, go on. What happened? What was the end? What happened? So to prove it... Damn, didn't Peter just come out with some I shit I know, too, right? Too Peter been going hard on I'm, Twitter okay. lately. Tell um, Peter to bring their ass to the 42nd Street subway station <laughs> on the 123 platform, preferably oh, express, the center no. platform, and then see how they feel about a goddamn rat or a mouse. Go ahead, friend. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, oh, it's fine. So... Um, they the first study that they did because they did it in you know in in what's the word I'm looking for they had to break it down to show the different steps of it so to show what epigenetics is they had in they did some like inbreeding they had inbred mice that had the exact same genetic coding they were like twins but one of them was brown and skinny and the other one was fat. And yellow. And they were trying to understand how is it that you guys have the same, literally are made up of the same cookbook, but turned out completely differently. So that's the just straight up epigenetic proof that even with your coding, something is different. You see it in twins. They look identical, but one of them might be a little bigger. You know what I mean? One of them is like an alcoholic. One's a party animal. The other one's quiet. The other one's shy. You know what I mean? Like all these different expressions of mm-hmm. your genetic makeup, even though you guys have the same code. So the mice prove that just by having the same code and looking different. But then they had to show, well, how is that? Why is that? So then they did another study with a second set of mice where they had one set of mice... Um, they all came from the same genetic code, but one of them was not really, like they had parents that didn't pay attention to them. They didn't lick them. That was like the, the key thing about licking to nurture them when they're growing up. And those mice that were licked a lot and loved and nurtured, they were, when they were hit with stresses, when they got older, they were cool, really calm and balanced. They weren't frazzled. Anything that they put as obstacles to get the mice, like, freaking out, they were, mm. like, chilling, able to kind of handle it. But then the mice that didn't get licked were frazzled, nervous, aggressive, wanting to fight. You know, it was, like, amazing to show that even with the same genetic coding, they were expressing differently because of that nurturing. Mm. And remember, we've had this nurture versus nature conversation before. And then the final mouse study that really just like blew it off the lid was when they were like, okay, so the first study proved that this exists. The second study showed that this has something to do with your parents and your ancestors. But the third study was like, okay, but does that mean that it's just going to keep happening? Like, what, like, does it get passed on? How does that, how do you stop that? What do you do? So they showed one study where the mouse was electrocuted. I know, I'm sorry, this is awful. 
every time he was around a cherry blossom tree. <laughs> oh my God. God forgive us. So. Because ain't it a song or a movie called Under the Cherry Blossom Tree? <laughs> I swear to God, I don't know who, if, if you're out there, internets, shout out to Combat Jack. <laughs> if the internets is listening, it's a show or a movie called Under the Cherry Blossom Tree or Summer. Maybe I'm thinking about Under the Cherry. I don't know, but it's funny. That, isn't that a Prince movie? A fat ass mouse getting shocked every time they see a tree is funny. I'm sorry. It don't, it don't mean I don't respect mouses and them, but they're mice, you know? It's funny. I'm sorry. Shit. No, stop. Okay, so every time they would shock... No, but listen to how fascinating this study is. Every time they would shock the... And these are the males, the fathers. They would shock them. They get a hard on. My God, imagine. No, it was every time they saw the tree. So this is obviously a type of conditioning because what you're trying to condition in the mouse is that when you see a cherry blossom tree, expect danger. So over time... They didn't even have to shock him anymore. As soon as he ta- saw the tree, he was freaking the fuck out. So they had him where they wanted him. Now, they had him reproduce with a partner. And here's the crazy part. Whenever those babies saw a cherry blossom tree, they freaked the fuck out. And mm. mind you, this had they had not had to endure the same type of conditioning. They were not put through the same electrocutions, nothing. They weren't even made to be a study in those terms. Simply just to see that when that father transferred that coding into them, he also transferred the epigenetic coding, which means, like uh, Neil Tyson said, he transferred the hardware that made the babies, but the epigenetics, he transferred the software that brought in all the toxins, the fears, the pain, all that shit was included in what he transferred to the children. So like as Tax would say, I say all that to say this. Right. <laughs> does What does that make you think about your daily habits and all these things? Because I get attacked a lot about, you know, I someone did a post on Tumblr one day like, Fran said to eat healthy, but I eat how I want to eat. And I was like, wow, the fact that you're mad at me because I'm saying eat healthy. And you're right. I'm not trying to force what healthy means. But I know for me, it has changed a lot of how I see the world and how the world receives me. And what I didn't know, because that was just an intuitive thing that I started changing. You know, even the fact that I would drink when I feel stressed and started creating that correlation of stress and liquor. And they even did a study on that, too, where they said what happens when you are stressed and drink liquor is that your genetic coding, the epigenetics, starts telling your body, hey, when she's stressed, she needs to drink. So what happens is that your liver starts releasing more enzymes in order to be able to process the amount of liquor that you're constantly consuming. So you're changing the genetic coding because now your body's like, this person drinks a hell of a lot. (laughs) And in order to sustain this lifestyle we need to release more of these enzymes Mm. so then when you have a kid and you pass on this modification you've created of more enzymes your kid naturally has more enzymes so if they happen to start drinking 
that's why they'll be more prone to addiction because their body is already able to process that kind of lifestyle. Yeah, because they say alcoholism, it can be uh, carried on, can it? Right. I mean, so, I've whether people have science journals about that or not, I've seen it with so my do, own eyes. My like, it's fascinating because my grandfather was an alcohol, like raging alcoholic. And granted, you could say, "Oh well, your uncles picked that up because they saw him doing it." But why is it that one of my uncles became a raging alcoholic and another one was able to do it socially but be cool about it? You know what I mean? Like mm. it was interesting to see how it expressed itself in two different. Um, offspring of my grandfather. But either way, he passed on that information through his genes. So stuff like that going to be following the epigenetics now too? What? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's the information he passed on. So, of course, this is controversial because, you know, people are like, that sounds ridiculous that you can pass on fears and pass on, you know, toxic behavior. But, I mean, there's been a lot of proof. And if you start thinking of your family... (laughs) I was just going to say, like, so like... Start thinking of, like, your uncles and aunts and little behaviors and toxic thoughts and ways that you see that they may have picked up from, like, your grandparents, and you know, and even your friends, and they have certain behaviors, how they picked it up from their parents. Like, I mean, I hope I explained... Did I explain this clearly? Absolutely. Because, obviously, I'm not a scientist by any means, but it's just something I found so fascinating because it ties into... I just love when science meets... Um, social sciences and spirituality and childhood work and like all these things I'm like fascinated by. So I was like so drawn to these studies with the mice. Like I'm like, oh my God, this is like life altering information to have scientific proof that, you know, it's not just me saying, hey, this isn't toxic positivity. I just don't want you to pass on this information. (laughs) In the Bible, they call it generational curses. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Or or sins of the father. Mm-hmm. You know, like, these words are all the same thing. It's all the same thing. It's so just like, the Bible, obviously, is not speaking in those scientific terms of genetics, but they're speaking it in their, in their own way of describing it. So when someone be like, oh, I, I can't stand no fake-ass bitches, like, that could be for real, like, in their, you know, <laughs> the something DNA. passed down. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, when people say stuff like that, that could there might be some I mean, it could be it. a trauma that, you know, their mom passed on from a fight she had that altered her DNA. Like, and and they said that the two biggest times where you can alter these things is puberty and pregnancy. Hmm. You know, like, those are the times that you're most sensitive to these epigenetics being able to kind of be shifted in either direction. So I found that really fascinating because think about it. It's your childhood where your personality is formed. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense, you know. And then people have even asked me, like, why don't you have kids? And I'm like, yo, I'm trying to fix a lot of my shit first because I don't want to pass on a lot of my fucked up thoughts and a lot of the things that I've inherited, you know, things I'm still kind of trying to, like, tweak about my personality that I know wouldn't be conducive to, like, a child growing up healthy and not me projecting my personal limitations on it, you know? But how does that make you feel, And even those of you listening, like, obviously, this isn't just about, like, your future kids and grandkids, because that is something to think about. I mean, that is valuable, because if we're trying to have healthier generations with more conscious people, you know, that are, like, reaching their potential, and we want to... They always say you want your kids to have a better life than yours was. That's always the goal. So, yes, that's important. But even just for us as people, 
and understanding the, that you're on a molecular level changing the coding of your body. Like, that's some deep shit. Like, it makes you think about those drinks. And it makes you think about the... F- <laughs> I'm laughing because Dustin just looked at the bottle Vanilla. of Remy. <laughs> I wish y'all could have so seen good. how he just looked at this bottle. So good. <laughs> but no, all jokes aside, and that's not even saying that. Y'all know me. That's not well, saying no, it with yeah. judgment. Like, why are y'all drinking? Oh, absolutely not. Listen, because drinking you know is drinking, but I'm saying just on a scientific level with these kinds of studies being put out there, like how? Do, what does that make you think about what you're telling your genetic coding about the quality of life you're trying to have and for the future. On a weed head point of view, I'm thinking about this because I wasn't always a weed head. And I remember like seeing it in places when I was younger and it didn't affect me then. I actually, as an adult, made the conscious decision to be a weed head, but it did fall in the family. <laughs> I'm not going to say who, what, when, where, why. So it was just pretty funny. And that's one of the things that I started to think about. But more than anything, I think about how I kind of was making it a thing in my, like, you know, it really did start to change certain things on a molecular level because I have to make the conscious decisions to, like, smoke and put things here in perspective and what that means to me when I'm doing it in certain cases. And a lot of it had to do with, um, you know, when I was getting my fitness back, you know, mood changes and stuff like that because depression and stuff runs in my family. So, like, when you're taking something, or when I started taking something that was almost kind of like a personal medicine, I felt like it was actually helping me hone in on certain processes because I had to, um, I don't know if maybe somewhere down the makeup of ADD just came into, you know, came into my being. But I found this thing almost that was kind of lining me up, helping me get back on like my fitness and different games on my own. And I always wondered to myself, like, did I pick these habits up just because of environmental factors or could they have been things from, um, you know, my family that, you know, they probably did when they were younger because my dad, he's pretty fit. And, you know, my mom, she's, like, on the road to try to get fit. And she was fit when she was younger. So it made me think, like, as I'm growing up and trying to figure things out on my own, am I crossing some of the same paths that my parents were, but, like, in these different, like, scientific settings? Like, these social things that you think to do, like, um, am I going to make better decisions for my body? Or am I going to make better decisions when thinking in relationships and stuff like that? These are all natural things that you pick up as you get older. But I always stop and think, like, how did this affect my mom or dad when I was when they were young, too? And am I doing some of the same shit that they were doing? And when I throw weed in the mix, you know, <laughs> not to say that my mom or dad was doing it. It's just really crazy how the processes started to line up. So this shit is interesting as fuck. If he got a documentary on this, I'm getting high and watching it. I, I mean, home. I'll send you the links to all the stuff. And obviously for all of you, I'll post every a lot of, you know, the articles I read. Cause I literally, this was like hours of me just getting sucked into the black hole of epigenetics. But one thing I wanted to add, because I definitely want to hear what Dustin thinks, um, is that epigenomes, which is the same epigenetics, what it does, how it works, is that it begins to imagine like your genetic coding with lights on, right? It starts turning the lights off on what you're not using. So let's say fitness. You're not really, that's not something that is a part of your lifestyle. So it starts turning that need off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the desire to eat well or nutrition starts turning that off. The thing is, where where Nessa Carey was saying is that the danger of that is that when it's turning that off, when you pass on the information, that's off for your kids. Right. So that's why you see certain families where they'd be like, oh, I'm big boned. <laughs> it's like in the past. <laughs> and then you go and you see the entire family is the same build. 
or there in my family diabetes is like a pair of sneakers being hand, handed down you know what i mean like it's just my aunt my uncle her their kids they're like all these ailments and illnesses and a lot of the time I'm like how do you all of y'all have the same thing you know like it's fascinating yeah. to me and and then you have the other cousins that were under this were raised under the same conditions but they are like completely different that is exactly where epigenetics comes into play. I'm so glad that you said that. Yeah. So here's my piece, right? Mm-hmm. This conversation on epigenetics is very interesting to me because I've always been, because I come from a family where I have multiple siblings, oh, um, we yeah. all have the same mother see. and same father, I've, I'm, I've always been aware of these similarities, right? I think that this is something that has been able to be identified as a molecular change, but I think it's directly related to behaviors being literally passed down from generation to generation. Your job as a parent, right, is to do the best that you can do to lead and guide your child to navigate life as easily as you can. So when it's time to make decisions, when it's time to make choices, you teach your child how to think according to what you believe is the most efficient, the most productive way to think or whatever in your decision-making. That can sometimes translate into getting burgers and fries for dinner because you're rushing at work and you're trying to, you know, feed your kids or whatever. And so you guys eat bullshit, you know what I mean, growing up. So now you and your brother and you and your brother and your sister, you guys are all, you guys all have physical ailments related to the diet that you had. Right. So therein lies what you were just discussing. Like, well, damn. And and now, and that's in generation one. So those people then have children, feed them the same way. They have children, feed them the same way. So we're four generations deep. And now it is everybody on this side of the family. Now, diabetes runs on that side of the it's family. Part of, that's it's what like it said part now. Part of the epigenetic coding. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I think that's where the change comes. That's where the change takes place. And I think that by your body being directly impacted by certain behaviors, that's where we've been able to identify a a distinct molecular change in the genetic code. Because now, since you've been eating this way, your body, or, or even alcoholism, just like you were discussing previously, I know someone right now whose mother is, whose mother was, or is rather, an alcoholic, and this person is now exhibiting the direct, exact same behaviors as her, as their mother. And well, I can see it happening. And you know what's fascinating? Where the proof for me is, I when I was, I'd say, like, college and a couple years after, I was such an alcoholic. Like, it wasn't even like, oh, I like to drink. It was like, I needed to drink. When you have, I've said it before, when you have bottles, empty bottles in your bedroom, you know this is like next level. <laughs> Was That's it multiple not... of the same? Because if it's multiple of the same bottles when it's next level, if it's a collection of triggered? different ones, a little, you know, You're just like, gotta, be, gotta be clear, you know. But you know what's funny? My dad didn't raise me, but I still mm. had his coding, his epigenetic coding of alcoholism because he passed on the liver's need to produce these, you know, this larger amount. A volume of enzymes that he passed down from his father because he grew up seeing you know what I mean so it's just crazy how even not being in that man's presence and I remember my mom and I'm sure a lot of you can relate when your mom be like you just like your father <laughs> lady I don't even know the dude <laughs> and, and that's the thing like I don't know my dad either and like he's a pretty fit dude and so like 
I heard I heard later on in life he started to get fit, and it was like later on in my life I started to, start to get fit. So it's kind of weird. It's interesting. Like that could be part of the coding. I think that another thing that plays into this is when people decide because we have choice, we have free will. It's so it's so it's so natural that it's almost scary, right? Because yes, these are behaviors that have affected us, and now our genetic code has changed. But even within that, if you have a family of four siblings, one of them may decide, you know what? I don't like the way that that tastes, so I'm not eating that. And they're now the one who did things differently. So they raised their children differently, and now there's a shift. And I think that's where all these changes come from. You're, di- you're influenced directly by the way that your parents or whoever raised you in that capacity by their behaviors and the things that they do. It influences you. Some things you agree with, some things you don't. And when you do things differently, naturally you feel like you found the best way to do whatever it is that you're doing, and so that's what you pay pass on to your children right. if they disagree with you they do things differently another shift mm-hmm. and I think that's where this ebb and flow or this pattern comes from and that's where this entire conversation comes from but I think the way that it became something that they could tangibly identify as a distinct change was from physical behaviors like diet or like um, environment, literal environmental factors, like in the weather. And so you teach your children to stay inside so right. your whole generation isn't getting sun. And they even That's how the physical like change came. As another example, like the queen bee and the worker bee, you see the difference. And first of all, in their position in mm-hmm. bee society, <laughs> in their phenotype, like how they look, queen bee is like this stronger regal bee and then the smaller ones, you know? And also the queen bee, her lifespan is 20 times that of a worker bee. And you know what's the only difference? Because their genetic coding is the same, is that she was fed royal jelly growing up to create that phenotype that you see now and that's the only difference between that and a worker bee and that's some fascinating shit because that shows the the coding like how you can really alter it and the beauty of epigenetics while it might sound overwhelming um is that like she said it's just the post-it note on the top of the script which means Mm. it's temporary you have the choice to change that or allow it to continue so that alcoholism, that diabetes, all these ailments, um, fear of a cherry blossom tree, you know what I mean? Or let's say as a human, let's put it into human form, you sit with that cherry blossom tree and you say, why the fuck am I so scared every time I see you? So now you're not fearful of it anymore. And now you are confronting that so that it's no longer part of the genetic coding that you are passing on. So then the next generation, when they see a tree, they walk right by that shit. This is why I believe that epigenetics is very real. And this is why I also believe that it's inevitable. You're always going to be taught to do things a certain way. And there's always going to be somebody that opposes that or resists that and does things a different way. And I just think that's where this comes from so i believe it's real i believe it can be substantiated by measuring things yes and not only is it fascinating it's reaffirming and you know and this is one thing she said though that gave me chills and this is the part where all of this research friend zone everything like i almost felt like my life's work was summed up at the end of this documentary when she said (laughs) nessa listen (laughs) nessa like affected the fuck out of me she said Tragedy and misery 
and negativity and just all these darker feelings, people love it. They love it. They I feel safe it. in it. Most people. Mm -hmm. She said if you go to Barnes and Nobles or any, she like showed a specific bookstore. It was the section of people's memoirs. And she said it's the books where someone, like the rags to riches books. She said those are always do the best. Always on the New York Times bestseller. She was showing to some that have up. been on the New York Times bestseller for six years straight. And she goes, do you know why? And this is what made me feel a little bit sick. She goes, because the rags to riches story of you pulling yourself out of, let's say, this epigenetic coding is exceptional. It doesn't happen to everyone. Not everyone has the will. Not everyone has the desire. Not everyone actually makes it happen. Some people rather just read about it and wallow while reading about someone else fixing their coding. And that's horrible. She said that's the masses. And that's what separates those who become, quote unquote, successful. And not just in the financial sense or celebrity sense, Whatever but in the sense like. of... I broke free from all these generational curses. Something as simple as what I said last week of me paying off all of my debt. Do you know the epigenetic coding that I just did? Mm. The restructuring, you know why that's so massive? Because I come from a family generationally where there's always been a fear surrounding money. We've always been in survival mode. Broke. Everyone's had five jobs to make ends meet. You know, none of us are really uh, uh, allowed to be raised by our parents properly and be nurtured because they were always at work. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's this, always this survival mode with money and debt and credit card and this aunt's paying for her boyfriend's car and her name is in this and putting my little cousin's name on the bill. Like just this struggle with money. So the fact that I have decided that that shit stops with me. No more. That don't mean I'm going to be a gazillionaire. It could mean that, but it just already at 34 means that I'm cutting off this relationship generationally that we have had in my family with money being a fear factor. And even the way that I eat, that's not me trying to shove quinoa down y'all's faces right, or right. talk about kale this is like me showing you that, and this was intuitive because I didn't know anything about epigenetics. Mm. So the fact that I felt like, yo, I just feel better. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel better. I feel like the nutrients are, like, fueling my life differently. Like, I'm just seeing clearer. That's why I share this information about fitness and nutrition and Palo Santo, and you know what I mean, and journaling and chakras. It's not because I'm trying to convert you to live life how I live. That's not the point at all. I want you to do whatever is going to help you get this coding literally out of your fucking system. <laughs> like literally, there's no more literal that you can get out of that. Like all that shit that your family has handed you that you didn't even come into the world expecting because it wasn't even a choice of yours fear of money sexual abuse all those fears like this is how you shed them and to see scientific proof that 
you know, you were sent this information to your system that is now affecting how you choose to live your life. But I love that she said it's temporary. And I hate that she said it's exceptional it's for, to make the change because that made me feel like, y'all, all of you listening on the friend zone, let us be the exceptional ones then. There's a, there's a space that people never account for. There are people who simply want to know that if they wanted to, they could. So when they hear these stories of success, when they hear these stories of people beating the odds, when they hear these stories of someone being the clear underdog and then winning, it's attractive to them, not because they want to wallow in the pain or in that state, but because they know, well, damn, maybe it could all end up being all right in the end. So even if it wasn't necessarily for me or even if I am... um, apprehensive about making these changes that would would literally change the trajectory of my life at least i know that it's possible if i wanted to that's comforting for a lot of people absolutely so yeah so there's people who but it's sad that there's a small percentage that follows through yeah with being comforted by their own life story as opposed to being comforted by someone else's stop being a voyeur i agree but again, it's just a lot of people that like that's where stuck. they at. Isn't it gonna be crazy? Because I feel like this is an early conversation of epigenetics, but like isn't it gonna be crazy how down the road it's gonna be like uh marketing versus ep- epigenetics, like how some people might be not be able to come up from certain things because of what might be placed in front of them. Like they might have these programs and these processes they might try to strip themselves of, but you might not know what's what because I can still think of watching advertisements late at night, you know, being Five years old. Are you old saying and like shit. if there's gonna be become like products for epigenetics? You know, well, not even just in that sense, but that's actually <laughs> that's, that's I, that really just sounded so like futuristic. Black mirror, as <laughs> yes, fuck right it there. Did. Actually, yes. Drink this epigenetic juice. That's so. I was thinking funny. about how 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 it'll affect marketing though, because you know how what's affected to you from your parents and things like that is gonna affect certain people that might be like tastemakers and things like that. So then if it's Someone like you that's seeing something like that that you're trying to strip something of, depending on what it is, it's going to be fucked up because you can't get rid of this process that's following you because other people might be throwing these processes back out there. Like with alcoholism, like what if it's people in the, like or even with fucking smoking like cigarettes and tobacco and shit, you can put on these like this is some terrible fucking shit. You're smoking death and people are still going by, you know, a addiction and shit like that. But be like. Advertising is going to reinforce the fuck out of it. You might have a meeting and be clean for X amount of years after this shit has come through your family and broken the cycle. Next thing you know, like, friend, God forbid, you step in the scene on one day and lose it all. And, right. then, and then you write back scared. The program comes back. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like all the coding. And and that's another thing, too, which is funny because I started reading. like, Because, you know, I wanted to get a well-rounded opinion. So I started reading like <laughs> biblical sites online just to mm. see their ideas and thoughts of these generational curses and the sins of the father. And it was so fascinating because they were like, it's just fascinating how these worlds collide without even really knowing, you know, like it's just so intuitive. But the one of the biblical sites that I read was saying these demons in you become dormant. You know, they don't necessarily go away. That's like when you are battling certain addictions, right? It's not to say that the addiction is gone. It's just that you figured out how to not let it consume you. Mm, right. So it's almost like, you know, epigenetically, the coding, if I like, let's say with me and survival of money, Let's say I were to go back in debt next year. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
it doesn't mean that I had gotten rid of the coding. It's still in me. I'm still who I am with the same coding that my mom passed on. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So there's always going to be, like Dustin was saying earlier, that ebb and flow of like, well, it's your choices that are deciding right. how right. much of this coding is changing your genetic expression as you live. That marketing is going to trigger that coding, too. Of course. Which <laughs> is why that... things like Instagram. Oh, man. You know, and it's this social media desire that's being created for, like, beauty and houses. It just Who makes you feel... we would go feel... from you got mail to this? <laughs> it makes you feel so, like, low, you know? And it makes... And this is what all the social media thing can be so dangerous, too, because it can almost trigger these epigenetics in a lot of ways you know what I mean it triggers you feeling like am I ever going to be able to not be this and be that so I just found that really fascinating and you know for the scientists that are listening (laughs) I hope I explained it with clarity I would love to hear your thoughts on it um those of you who had never heard of it like I had never heard of it and isn't this some fascinating shit? It is, because when you hear epigenetics, you think about an epipen. So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you think about, well, damn, is this something to do with an epipen? <laughs> and even the word, the word epi is the Greek word for in addition to. I thought it was a record mm. label. <laughs> no. Epi record. And that okay. is so fascinating because what it's saying literally is, yeah, you have this genetic coding that can't be altered by your behaviors, but this epigenetics that is also part of your DNA coding is in addition to. Hmm. And that is what changes how your genes are expressing themselves as you are out in the world expressing yourself. So I just thought it was information. I was like, oh, we got to talk about this on the friend zone because it just ties in so many of our episodes it's never us trying to tell you that you need to be better. You need to do this. I mean, I would hope that you would feel that you want to be the highest version of yourself. But hopefully a conversation like this gives you that extra nudge because we all need it. You know, we all need that push. Sometimes this conversation might be the light that you needed. Maybe not. But if we did catch you, awesome. <laughs> and that's what the friend zone is for. Super califragilistic epigenetic <laughs> So with all that being said, we if hope you, you enjoyed that conversation. It was great. Yeah. And yes, absolutely. And something that I think people are definitely going to think about more and something that people are going to pay attention to more. So I believe that you wholeheartedly raised awareness for a lot of people by even bringing up this conversation. People so don't talk about it. it's And it's great. not to shame. No. There's like, no, no there's, not at all. We know that. Be. We all do escapism. It's natural <laughs> to day. try to run from <laughs> the toxic shit your parents have handed down. Toxic shit you're going through. We're human. We're all trying our best. But I think conversations like this are important because it's one thing to go through life just kind of going with the motion and it's another thing to be fully aware and intentional with every decision you're making whether you decide to take that drink or not i want you to know what it's doing to you there you that's go it. or that's where it. it came from or where it came from that's it in case you feel like your life is out of control you know like i just need you to be more empowered about where your life is going and that's my only job that's amen it. amen so with that, <laughs> with that being said... Well, hold on, because, you know, oh, mm-hmm. every seven years, you know, we talked about that one time. Every mm-hmm. seven years, all the cells oh, in your body change and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. 
So, like, if I start practicing, if I start reading up on epigenetics and trying to change my processes, if you, if I took, like, seven years to change something, do you think that can help put you out? Of course. See? It wouldn't even have to be seven years. Every inch that you decide in a different direction <laughs> is... Oh, oh, my God. I hate y'all so I much. Not, I, I was going to try to, but... <laughs> No, literally every every small change that you decide day by day is already heading in a, the opposite direction of the coding that was sent to you. Mm. And that look one it, foot in front of hey, the other. And that ain't even about being no scammer. I know y'all hear shit about changing the codes. We ain't saying start <laughs> scamming. All we saying is just do better. Time. And there's nothing wrong with wanting things different than what. You are accustomed to. There's nothing wrong with thinking that you have a better idea and knowing that you do and implementing that idea. There's nothing wrong with moving for your whole family. And apparently, if here we go right here, friend. <laughs> if you don't take nothing else away from this discussion on epigenetics, here's what you should take. You have an opportunity to change all the things that you hated about everything that you've ever experienced when it comes to what you pass down to those that come after you. And that could be birth children. That could be people that you have an authoritative but non-parental relationship. That could be any of that. You have an opportunity to impact change based on your behavior and the information that you share and pass on. So if you take nothing else away from this right just know that there's a there's a space there for people to literally change things and that's what's wrong with everything in the world today is that people have passed down these generational curses of fucked up behavior and perspectives and mm -hmm. racism fears, and bullshit phobias fears, and, and 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 not things being fears simply in the nature of them being fears but in attaching shame to certain fears or instead shame. of identifying and limitations and limitations identifying what it really is so that's my takeaway since I know you was going to ask anyway and you're shit. so good Asante what's your takeaway of this epigenetic conversation don't let marketing affect you <laughs> I'm the just department really... or <laughs> that too unless they cutting the check shit no I mean I, I, that's what I always think about and that's why I was saying it's going to be so interesting when we have to have this conversation because you, I feel like you sparked something already with epigenetics. No one's talking about this. And once we get it started, especially in our community, we're going to realize even in our community how marketing is affecting us because we now today, oh, you know, black is beautiful, stuff like that. But some people still, outside of what we're showing them on TV, might still be using the Ambi soap just because the Ambi is what they had in the house and <laughs> they like what it's going to make them look like later or something. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that's just one small, stupid-ass example. But I think that there is something that's going to be happening. There's going to... There is something that has to be said about how marketing is going to affect you trying to affect your processes if you want to do better and things like that. Because every step that you feel like might take you in the right direction, in some cases might take you in the wrong direction, depending on what you're looking at. So really do the research on what you're trying to figure out that you're trying to fix about yourself, especially if you're trying to look back in the past and see if it was something generational or, or wherever it fits you. It, wherever it fits you now is how it's going to help you move forward. So take all that into consideration. Epigenetics. <laughs> And my takeaway is simply my family's bullshit stops with me. Hey. Hello, kitty. Good night, cat. <laughs> I mean, meow, meow, meow. and that is a great feeling because it gives me purpose. Like a lot of people feel really lost, which is what tends to make people fall into these same patterns because you don't really feel like you have direction or reason to be here. But this to me has been 
an incredible mission statement of my life to not only show that I'm going to restructure what's been passed down so that I don't continue the mess and the foolery (laughs) that I came into. That's beautiful. And then to share it on platforms like this so that you can do the same and stop your family's bullshit too. Imagine what the next generation will be like if we all did that. Could you imagine what the next kids, if they're born without a fear of not having money, without a fear of not being good enough, without a fear, you know, like, could you imagine? I'm trying to imagine. Just healthy, whole ass kids. All this uh, black girl joy, black boy joy hashtags, like literally that personified is what we would create. So it's something to consider. I would love for you guys to do your own research because this was just my understanding and interpretation. But please look it up. Tons of information, tons of studies. Look up the actual studies of the mice. Um, Nessa Carey, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, like all these people online that are really passionate. This is a relatively new field of modern biology. So it's exciting because it's still developing. There's a lot of controversy surrounding it because scientists are like, we ain't talking about feelings. We talking about facts. (laughs) So, you know, you'll see both sides. But for me, someone that sees where the worlds collide I'm totally fascinated. I'm kind of mad that I didn't like take bio seriously I in high school. I can't put your feelings in this peach tree dish. Peach tree. <laughs> peach tree. No, you did not take it to Atlanta. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Today's episode of The Friend Zone is brought to you by the Thurgood Marshall College Fund. Thurgood. 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 <laughs> Do you own your student loan or does your student loan own you? Hell no. Your student loan debt might look like an impossible mountain to climb. I hate Asante. But defaulting on your loans can mean ruined credit, career roadblocks, and ever-deepening debt, and no pussy. To bring more awareness to the issue of student loan debt and help create solutions, the Thurgood Marshall College Fund has created and launched the hashtag In the Black campaign. African-American students carry a disproportionate level of the overall student debt load. Mm-hmm. 1.2, and this is serious, you guys, yeah, $1.2 in outstanding debt. High levels of student loan debt can put you at a severe disadvantage from the start of your professional career. High student loan debt means less money for savings, buying a home, or starting a business. The Thurgood Marshall College Fund hopes to raise awareness about student loan repayment options for college students, graduates, and young professionals, so all ends of the we need the help spectrum. Yes. To learn more about this important campaign, visit getintheblack.org. That's getintheblack.org to learn more about the Thurgood Marshall College Fund and how your debt doesn't need to hold your life back. Please, you guys, visit getintheblack.org and learn more about the Thurgood Marshall College Fund. Let's get back to the show. So that's it for this week's hot button issue. Let's jump into this week's wellness segment. The whisper song version. The whisper song version. So I'm going to keep it sh- quick and sh- quick and short. Me too. Well, well, <laughs> well, well. And my gum fell out. <laughs> Your gum was hitting the notes. Okay. You saw that. How well, did you well, well. the scale? <laughs> um, so I wanted to tell you guys that Shirley, Shirlane, I hope I'm saying her name right. The first lady, Shirlane McRae, which is the mayor's wife. 
um, of New York. Charlene, <laughs> the lady from the internet, they'd be like, no. your job, <laughs> you got one thing. No, man, I ain't said nothing. Let me Charlene, tell you something, she be Pastor. Good word. Charlene. No, because you imagine if it was my, if she was my wellness segment. Told him my Shirley, <laughs> while you laughing one week, you might need to give him the word. I mean, now. hey, Shirley got the you word. Never know where your blessing lies. Y'all know on. So, Shirley McRae, along with the American Psych- Psychiatric Association president, announced the launch of NYC Well, a one-click, one-call connection to counseling, crisis intervention, peer support, and referrals to ongoing treatment services. It's a 24-hour, a day, seven-day-a-week counseling resource that you can um, access through your phone, through text, and through online chat. This is so amazing because I was actually a part of a meeting with Sherlane McRae last year when she gathered mental health influencers, or rather influencers who were putting mental health conversations to the forefront and sat us down in a boardroom at Gracie Mansion, which was like mind-blowing to me to even be in there. And she basically sat with us and picked our brains and was like, listen, y'all are young. How do we make therapists cool? (laughs) Like, tell us, like, how do we get people to get help and, and access these resources in a real way though? Like through gifts, through memes, like how do we do it? You know? And it was so great. So there were so many awesome influencers there that I was familiar with. And it was so cool. First of all, that we were all there together because we were all of color. And it was beautiful to come together and share really, really fascinating ideas on how the youth and just anyone online could be reached. So to see that not only did she gather us, but that she followed through and actually went and created this initiative to help people in a real way just felt good. Because, you know, politicians be full of shit. And then they'd be wanting to waste your time having powwows and meetings. So even when I left, I was like, who knows if... This is going to turn into anything. So this announcement really felt great. Um, It's called NYC Well. And like I said, it's offering free, that's the key, free mental health and actually and substance abuse support as well. So that's really, really important. Why you had to look at me like that, though? No, I did not. (laughs) Um, It's free and confidential and it's right accessible from your phone or computer. So you can call, you can call 888-NYC-WELL or you can text WELL to 65173 or go online to nyc.gov forward slash NYC-WELL to begin your chat. So those are the options. I hope you find that resource valuable and sorry that it's only for New York City, but there are a lot of us in New York City, so I still had to put that out there for those of you who may need that resource. We might need the help first. I ain't going to lie. It's some fucked up I mean, people in New York City. <laughs> I'm just saying, okay? I'm just saying. Don't feel so bad, friend, okay? <laughs> and our Talkspace ad, obviously, that's for everyone. Shout out to Talkspace. One right? time for Talkspace. So Talk if you're space. not in NYC, definitely use the Talkspace um, resource as well. So that's it for this week's wellness segment. Now we are going to mosey on down to TV land. 
Dustin. Oh, okay then. I pointed <laughs> to you. We doing it out of order. Well, it's week. me. I guess I'm on the MIC. <laughs> hey. About to talk to you niggas about TV. Hey. Word up. Um, yeah, so this week in television, first of all, I want to give the biggest of biggest shout outs to Solange Knowles, who gave a phenomenal performance of both yes. Cranes in the Sky and Don't Touch My Hair on Saturday Night Live, which is huge for any artist that is so unapologetically black to have that, I love that platform. Outfit. Oh my God. <sighs> she looked cute. She looks so beautiful. And then she <laughs> had this big, like, Dream catch a crown thing of like so braids fly. and rhinestones no, and crystals it. on so her fly. head. It was the shit. Mm-hmm. So Solange, you did a great job on SNL. You were right at home. You belong there. And in that live performance arena, it was just great. Um, so I want to give a shout out to that. Um, the real we're gonna start with something you know different. The Real Housewives of New Jersey reunion what? came That's on. That's um Teresa. Mm-hmm. And them. The Real Housewives of (laughs) New Jersey reunion came on this week, and a huge revelation in this episode was that Teresa accused Jacqueline and Caroline Manzo of calling the federal government and alerting the federal government to begin an investigation into her background financially and all that shit that ended up sending her to jail. But I thought you said Teresa, like, changed. She did. Did but she was all like, I'm not dealing with this? She did. She was very zen all season. She really didn't want to fight. That epigenetic code Mm -hmm. had triggered. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The epigenetics kicked in and she said, you know what? The last four years, (laughs) you bitches have been rolling me like dice on this reunion. Not today. The buck stops here. Whether I owe it to the government for restitution or not, the buck stops here. That's what Teresa said. So make sure you tune into the Real Housewives of New Jersey reunion. And speaking of Real Housewives, this Sunday was the premiere of the Real Housewives of Atlanta, which is, in fact, the greatest reality show on television. And it was good. We not only were introduced to season nine with these lovely ladies that ladies that we've been, well, they might as well be nadies that we've been following <laughs> for all this time. And um, it was so good. This year we have Sheree back, who was a season one vet on The Real Housewives of Atlanta. There's a place for Sheree, and she's already be- she's already in her bag. She's already on her bullshit. Already fighting? Not fight. Well, yes. But not only that, she's already offering these weird, quirky phrases and sayings that have endeared us to her. Case in point, CIP Kip. When she came to, <laughs> she was at, she was at, <laughs> that was for you, friend. <laughs> she was at Kenya Moore's housewarming at Moore Manor, which, Moore Manor? You have Moore Manor, you have Chateau Sheree, and Sheree even named her daughter's townhome. Wait, they call it this or you call it this? They call no, it they this. They call it this. Oh, and listen, listen. She named her daughter's townhome. Oh, her daughter actually put Chateau Sheree in her name, but don't tell nobody. That's why Sheree said her daughter helped out a lot with Chateau Sheree on the episode. That's the truth. That's the real shit. But so her daughter, when she said where her daughter lived, her daughter's name is Tierra, who also, season one, she referred to her daughter as her friend. And I want to say it was Essence Magazine. She never really claimed that daughter until last what? season. But anyway, so her daughter that was yeah, on there. this is wild. She said that her daughter lived in Tierra Townhouse. So, you know, or Townhouse Tierra, excuse me, Townhouse Tierra. So I just think it's so cool that Sheree's already back and offering these, you know, cool, quirky phrases. Now, sidebar, Kenya Moore absolutely did not invite Portia Williams' volatile old, you know, loose cannon ass to her housewarming. Nuck if you buck Phaedra, right, nuck if you buck. She from Miami, she from Miami. And Mary Amanda liked to, well, never mind. But anyway, so... 
She came. She was Phaedra's plus one. And when she walked in, Sheree reminded us all why she will forever have a place in the housewives, (laughs) why she will forever have a place on reality (laughs) television. As soon as she saw Portia inside, now mind you, for those of us that don't watch the show, Kenya Moore and Portia Williams are both cast members on The Real Housewives of Atlanta, and they had a physical altercation. So there's bad blood. Um, and when K- Portia showed up as Phaedra Parks plus one, Sheree says, what did she do, Asante? <laughs> well, when she was on the yes well, yeah, thing, uh-huh. well, she, she was, was like, yes. She was like, oh, 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 And, 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 and then she went, yeah. But it was juicy as hell for her. She couldn't take it. Yes. I'm like, I promise you. She went That's how she was doing. It was so persistent. It was so loud. It was so vibrant. And it was so perfect. Because from the moment that Sheree walked into the party she was already reading stuff like oh mm-hmm. the, the, the driveway's not done I can't oh, I have to walk through this and like oh that's not done and then she is that the hostess I and all it took was Kenya Moore picking up on just one of those microaggressions from just Sheree one. to do, go ahead and get into her own bag of passive aggressiveness and say to Sheree oh my god it's been such a hard process building this house I can only imagine how five years must feel because everybody knows Sheree's been building Chateau Sheree since the 60s. I mean, I think I still lived in Atlanta. Sheree's been building Chateau Sheree since. What would you do if I sang out of tune since the Wonder um, Years? Funky Dineva posted a screenshot. Of, of from the again? video that he did when he reported he, live uh-huh. and he wrote, and the hashtag was never forget. <laughs> but he ain't posted no up- update photo outside the real chateau. <laughs> now see Sheree and Sheree is oh, real enough. Gosh. If I was Sheree, I would invite Funky Dineva to report in my house and be like, "It's old Dineva. Uh, you did this. I, I paid you for this. You right? would go you, to. You this check, didn't you? Her pride won't let her, and that's exactly why we love Sheree. She Absolutely. is too prideful. She has too large of an ego to ever succeed. You know, to, Do you to like concede <laughs> and succeed. Well, that's actually true too. She has too big of an ego to ever succeed. <laughs> oh my God. But she has too big of an ego to ever concede to anything like that, too. Do, do like I her? like Sheree? Yeah. Is she, like, one of your favorites? No. But do I recognize <laughs> the fact that Sheree has forever implemented herself in the history of reality television? She's the next person that will be in that African-American Museum of History. Stop. Because Sheree is the person who who created and solidified the phrase, what, Asante? Who gonna check me, boo? I said, who gonna check me, boo? came from Sheree Whitfield. There's been so many. Eat me, darling. Eat me, darling. All right. So, so there's been so many, but Sheree, there's a place for Sheree. And when it comes to the Real Housewives of Atlanta, the dynamics of the show and the way that the characters related to one another, the show would never be what it was today if Sheree Whitfield was not in season one. So love her or hate her. She got a place on Bravo. And it's good to see her back so she can get the place where she sleeps finished. Her house ain't done. (laughs) Kenya Moore's house is finished. And you can say what you want. Is it beautiful? Oh, gorgeous. It's a modern home. So Mm, it's a matter of taste. But I love modern homes. So to me, it's absolutely stunning. Sheree's house is absolutely beautiful, big, large, sweeping. imagine building a house from the ground up. How cool is that? you know Mm -hmm. what? I think that when I do that, I'm going to have to really think about staff. Because, you know, Kenya thinks she's going to do that on her own. She ain't going to clean that up on her. So she's going to have staff. 
And Sheree is really gonna need a well, There's probably shit on the floor now from King and Toril. Her dogs didn't shit all through the Twirling kitchen in Moore Manor. Life right. Toril's on. Shit, Moore Manor is shit station. <laughs> once and one killings, King and Toril's asses get through with it. But the point is, it's a beautiful home. I'm so excited about the Real Housewives of Atlanta season nine being on. Tune in. Cynthia Bailey is my friend. I'm so happy oh, to see yeah, her back on so television. Beautiful. She's being very transparent with her story of divorce and lost love with Peter, who is also a good person person so just watch the show check it out enjoy it the real housewives of atlanta is back i ain't really got shit else to say queen what sugar was show, good atlanta. oh atlanta the show it, it was ended. amazing we just did the atlanta was amazing Are you all caught up? yes and i saw him go to sleep in that storage unit and Yo, i was like man affected me damn but i don't understand why did he leave the comfort of his baby and his he that's the you know he wants to do it on his own because he just wants yeah. to show her he like, wants I'm to do cool. it on I his own that. and yeah. I think him going to sleep in that storage <gasps> unit that is exactly so why we love the show it was it's so, so real. real. The oh my struggle. god! And it's, when he was dividing up that cash and said, "This is what I have left," I was like, Psst. "Man, in New York City, I know how that feels." So to do that shit in Atlanta in a storage unit, my nigga, like please. But I know people that have done shit like that. Of course. That shit right there. I do it every month, hell. <laughs> to uh, to pay rent to the landlord and to do what we got to do. Low key, no, I feel I, just like him on that damn, was it a daybed or a trundle? Whatever it was in that storage unit. I feel just like him every month when we pay rent. Low key, I, I felt like he had one better on me because it's going to be air conditioned up in that bitch. Shit, I was like, I need it? to do this. You're like, and, hmm. and the ones in Atlanta, you know, they got the AC. You know, Atlanta now, housing, they pay you to move somewhere. Right, because the shit came out. <laughs> Oh, so they gotta you. make sure you got AC in the storage unit. Hell. So now that it's over, what'd you think of the show as a whole? I was very impressed with Atlanta. I loved the grittiness of the perception, and, and I, I loved, I loved the way that they filmed the show. I loved the way that they wrote the storylines. All the experiences felt so real. It felt like the crazy things that happened to me and my friends, like what happened to me and Kid Fury in Atlanta last weekend. Which y'all can ask him about it if you want to, whatever. <laughs> but. I, it just Atlanta is a very real show, and I love it. I love the fact that the characters look the way that they look physically. I love everything about the show, and I am a person who it took me three episodes to catch on. I thought it was cool. I thought it was cute, slow but first. it was just like okay, nothing moved me. But baby, once that once that basketball game episode came on, <laughs> Justin Bieber. once all those things like it just the <laughs> yeah, club scenes like like it's just it's a great show. It's a great 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 show. I love Atlanta. So definitely one that I'm yeah. one on like DVD, Blu-ray or some shit. <laughs> DVDs. I love I Queen Sugar. I'm fascinated with Queen I'm Sugar. I'm behind on Queen Sugar. Yeah. Don't okay, well, I'm I think shut I'm up. like an episode behind. Because I'm really. So, I'm gonna shut up But Queen Sugar is good Oh I like it though What else am I watching right now Queen Sugar Oh well I'm watching Keeping Up did with you, the Kardashians Did you watch Married to Medicine Of course I watched Married to Medicine What is that show about Married to it's Medicine It's like the wives of doctors Married to or Medicine Or doctors Or female doctors It's in one Atlanta, of the yeah. most important mm. Shows in reality TV Oh wait so It's actual doctors mm-hmm. Yep so And wives mm-hmm. of doctors Not like paging Dr. Heavenly mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean Wow yes. And they're down to be men See, and these are like their own business. And, and when I'm telling mm-hmm. you, when I tell Yikes. you, shade on a trillion, like they be doing. Are they it. super wealthy? <laughs> some, I mean, some of them oh, are. God. Toya owes 170 thousand. Toya Bush Harris owns 170 thousand dollars to the IRS, and then they show <gasps> Quad sitting on her couch talking to Toya across from her and holding up a pair of handcuffs, saying. 
going to the big house. No. Mm-hmm. But you know wealth. what, though? Now that I'm an entrepreneur, girl, I see how that bill Look, is, that girl, bill is easy. 170 ain't nothing to owe now. It's very easy to get so there, right? Easy. It's scary the, how easy that is. Like, I've, you know, uh, cleared out my debt, but now <laughs> as an entrepreneur, it's a whole new debt. <laughs> Sorry, I'm crossing <laughs> my teeth, you guys. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I have a. I'm so sorry, you guys, and I don't even want to cut it. I have a toothache, and I feel like there's constantly something in between my teeth. So, god damn it, <laughs> I'm flossing my teeth I'll on look, the air this actually, week. Actually, I'm gonna ask you for something when the show is done. I got you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so now, wait, is that it for TV Land? Uh huh. Because I gotta floss my teeth in real life, land. <laughs> well, just to wrap up, Married to Medicine. Make sure y'all watch it. It's important. Those oh black women. No, honestly, I do want to say. Is, what about that other show y'all were talking Little Women of ATL? Oh, that's I don't over. watch that. We, um, I, I, I let it go mm-hmm. when it went. Never watched. Oh, I but thought, I thought y'all, that was on your rotation. Juicy's funny, but I don't watch. Because they, they little women. Literally little women in Atlanta. So they little women doing all the shit that we love Atlanta reality shows for. So there you go. But <laughs> I um, but back to um, Married to Madison, the argument between Simone and Quad. For those of you that watch the show, you'll understand what I mean when I say this. I was very surprised. I was like, where did this come from? But then I had to realize not only are Simone and Quad friends, but Simone is Quad's OBGYN. Yeah. Yep. So what? so so there might be some HIPAA violation. Well, I don't want to say that, but you know, it's just you know, I she think that said, Simone kept it where she needed to keep it to to protect herself professionally. That's how. But that's, that's what her I was girl. And, and she even says in the confessional before they show the scene, she's like, you know, we're sitting here talking, and that's my my girl, and I'm also her opgine, and she needs to be op-gyne. careful. Well, she didn't say opgine specifically, uh, but, but like they're sitting there, and she's like, Quad, you need to be thankful that this is not. We are not talking about you because the odds in your favor, you need to pray because it's a serious oh, topic no. about, you know, fertility that they're going in about. Seriously. And like I was in the pill. Going like, in about fertility. Yeah, one though? of the women, she wants to have a baby really bad. And they all and trying to tell and her. And don't need to. Like, she, her husband has been a serial cheater. And there was a last scandal last heard. season that said that he may have been involved in a, in a romantic relationship with a, another male. So that was a different, a whole new element of sand, of scandal attached to him. And I think that she's just, well, I don't want to say that because I don't know why she wants to have a baby. But there's room there for the perception to be that she wants to have a baby to validate the the authenticity of their marriage. You know what I'm saying? Absol- I want Ayanla to come in for the, the next episode. Oh because I baby, mean, she'll never get pregnant if Ayanla come on. And, and she shouldn't. Lisa Nicole is literally, you know, over 45, and she had bad history before. She had two, a C-section or two before. Like, they're going through her history and saying, well, it's, what it it's is, not this is, this is what it is. Because I think we should be clear about that yeah, just ahead. so that people know she has a condition where there's a blood clot that could rise or or it, the blood clot can move she has a she it's has a she lungs. has a condition where she has the potential to clot mm. and the blood clot can be like deathly right and it's been a risk that she's taken with every pregnancy that she's had she has two very healthy children but she wants another baby and oh, so she has two children. She has okay. two already. I thought she so, just hasn't yep, been she, able to... Exactly. She already has kids who need their mama. But she, I don't know. She says she misses the feeling. She's having that baby fever. And I don't know if it's... For me, it feels like because of that disconnection from her husband. Because even though they have fixed things, you know, for women, for certain women, like being pregnant is like that is a, a full feeling. And I think she needs to feel that again. And that's why she's so like... 
hung up on that. And it's scary to see that because, you know, your life's at risk. You know what I'm saying? But to see her go through that and talk about that, and they're all talking about, uh, you so know. And then the show's not, like, all trash. That's what I'm saying. Like, no. that's why it's a really good show. That's, I mean, like, that's important. They don't, they're not, like, uh, loving hip-hop and stuff like oh, that. Oh, that's it, why I was kind of shocked. It's like, along doctor? the line. I mean, it's along the lines because of the mess, but it's, I mean, these are professional women with families that, you know, have money, like middle class, or upper middle class working women that understand that they have these personas that they need to have along with. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm not saying that doctors can't be trash. It's not like only us hood folks are trash. But I think when you have more at stake, like your fam, like your household income, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, would even think in, that you would play it a little cool. Even with the on white TV. people when they do their plastic surgery shows, and the white <laughs> bitches are just up there like, look at my tits, and it's all fun and shit. But when we do it, it's ratchet. Like it's that's why I'll tell people, Married to Medicine is a really good show. Like, and the mm. difference I think is that you number think I would one, like it? I think you I would. do. Really? And the reason you do is because it, it's almost <laughs> endearing. You buy into these personalities because you already recognize going into the show. Okay, these are a group of of medical professionals. Right. So you accept that and it almost legitimizes them in a different way than another show that you may watch where the characters don't necessarily have a professional, um, you know, allegiance or whatever that just, that defines them or or that makes you feel comfortable Mm -hmm. in believing in them as serious, right? So yes, they argue. Yes, they go back and forth. But you also recognize off rip. You're watching a show about people who who move around in the medical community in whatever city the show is about. Because now there's American Married to Medicine Houston. So you watch it through a different lens. I love how just these franchises they just grow. It's yeah. fascinating. It's like you appreciate the drama, but it's also kind of cool to watch all these black prof- medical professionals yes. on on television. Yeah. You know, and these, it's cool. And these black women, they be doing it like Simone be pulling up in her motherfucking like what, what's her new car she bought a, a she bought a Maserati <laughs> last season right. but to this season she pulled up in a Tesla like I'm <gasps> yeah, telling you right? and, and they were talking about how they have a north home and a south home and at first it sounds real bougie but then it's like oh you know the kids live too far at the north house so they save an hour by moving to the south house or whatever and I was like damn black people are up here doing it and I love that about Simone, that Simone Dr. Simone who bought this south house she's an OBGYN her husband is an IT professional correct Asante I think so yeah he's an IT professional um, and they bought a house in South Atlanta because that was closer to their children's school and prior to that her children had a one hour commute each way to school so one hour there one hour back she wanted to buy a property closer to alleviate that so she did it's something really good about being able to see a black female doctor being able to make those kind of moves on television Mm-hmm. It's something that there's a necessity there for this to be visible. So that automatically forgives a little bit of like the trash TV that we really don't even need to forgive because we yes. love it. And right. sometimes their so. arguments, they'd be real deep about like real, like good regular stuff. Like no one cares about you was sucking D in the studio with whomever. Like sometimes that's funny and shit, but then it's like, what? And this show is like this person really came out of someone's character. They're having a disagreement. You can see how real both sides are. And you're like, damn, like, I hate that this happened. Or you can get into the mess on one side because you can really get into that person's point of view. But about some real shit. And I think it's really, really important to be about that real, especially in Atlanta. So shout out to Married to Medicine, especially because it makes me miss my best friend, Anton. Dr. Simone sounds just like her every time (laughs) I watch. You're going to like Dr. Simone. I promise you. All right. Well, I'm going to look it up. Is that it for TV Land? That's all we got. Cut your DVRs on. Hell. Cut your DVRs on. <laughs> so now we move on to Mr. Music Man. Yay. 
segment come on i mean really that one was a classic for two weeks two weeks on the friend zone charts now two weeks no not the charts they set a record you, i'm telling you all right so i wanted to oh, shit. i wanted to do like a, a bunch of different things this week because i have a couple of people i want to shout out i have a church announcement i'm gonna put in here like i have a whole bunch of stuff i want to do so first i want to shout out mark ali He's a dope, dope producer, rapper from Oakland, California. He emailed me about something else, and uh, I listened to his music. He makes T-shirts. Super fly. Mark Ali. Uh, you can find him on SoundCloud, but uh, you can also find him at HumblePharaoh.com, and that's going to give you all the information on him. Um, M-A-R-K-A-L-I, if you want to just look him up there. But HumblePharaoh.com, I'm not going to spell that. Just Google it. I wanted to give you Mark Ali because... Um, you don't get a lot of that good conscious rap no more. Like J. Cole was coming and Kendrick's been around. But, you know, the up-and-comers, the indie, um, you know, I want to show some love to the Bay. Mark Ali, thanks for reaching out because when people randomly talk to me, I sometimes just click and listen to their stuff. So I like that. I like the soft sell, not the hard sell. Um, because we're on the West Coast, I also, because it came in my iTunes today, wanted to shout out Desi Page. Desi. Because Tall Tales was like one of the dopest missed. And I I need, I just want people to kind of go back and get to appreciate some of the sounds that were missed. So um, Desi Page, Google her. It's D-E-Z-I and then Page, P-A-I-G-E. And uh, Tall Tales was just a super, super dope project. And I think there's a lot of uh, good inspiration for people out there that want to hear like a different sound or something you're not hearing right now, especially as we move into that fall winter aspect i want to give you some good mu- mood music look up um well my favorite song on that project is he knows mm. listen that mm. trick her she, writing first of all that's like my sister out. well i mean honestly every song is because she's just a sick ass singer songwriter that's my sister like when i don't use that word freely like her and india sean we're like soulmates musically like literally soulmates like I, I love them to death I will vouch that y'all are musical soulmates Aren't we because like, if I heard all three of y'all in the studio together and, and y'all we are love all, all the same shit y'all even our aesthetic is similar y'all are all fly the notes solo, we choose in the music I'm about it's to crazy. stand for some shit I ain't gonna give them to whenever god <laughs> damn yeah. friend got right. me feeding yeah. for the friend yeah. Desi it's, yeah. make it it's coming we got to. Oh, y'all better put this shit next come on See, that's more homework. But I just had to say that. So when you look up Tall Tales, listen to He Knows, because that is my cut. Ooh, she did the damn thing with that project. And you know what? Um, you can actually find Mark Ali on Apple Music. So oh, dope. That's a, a really, really fly look. I just remembered that. I added him on my Apple Music. I was like, well, that's cool. You know, when the indies get it, it's popping. Um, so that's my indie corner. That's two there. <clears throat> on the mainstream corner... Uh, Destiny, if you could help me out with this. Uh, oh, God. Tinashe dropped her newest project, <sighs> Night Ride. I don't even... Okay. I just got to I gotta interject. I guess this is my part. So you have, sometimes in life, you have to be aware of your portion, and I think this is mine right here. 
I had a life-changing experience. I was with a group of friends. We were driving to Washington, D.C. from New York, and that's about a four-hour drive, three-hour drive. Somewhere in there, who cares? The point is, they played the Tinashe Amethyst mixtape for me. Prior to that, I thought Tinashe was a girl who just looked like she was at the mall on a Saturday. <laughs> and I wasn't interested. But when I heard that Amethyst mixtape, it changed my life. It changed everything I knew about Tinashe as an artist. I have the utmost respect for her musically. Um, as a writer, as a singer, all of that shit. I love Tinashe now. And the Amethyst mixtape set the bar for me. The Night Ride album has has met the expectation that I didn't even know was there because I didn't even know it was coming out. It's a great album. The standouts are Lucid Dreaming, um, mm. Ghetto Boy. Um, um, what is the name of Sacrifices. it? It's a song called This Is What I... Or, I'm getting ready to tell you all right now because Say I love this album so much. Name the whole album. No, nope, there is. She to. gave you 15 tracks now. Ooh. She, she, she gave us the old 15 school. tracks of yep. And this is a mixtape. Now wait till oh, the album. You don't know me. So not I, I thought this was an album. This is the album? This is an album. She said that Night Ride and Joyride were two parts of the same album. Is this her Joyride? first album? No. no, this is her sophomore album. Got you. Yeah, yeah the first one was Aquarius. Aquarius mm, with okay. the Amethyst mixtape. Which I missed Aquarius. I can be honest about that. Oh, it Aquarius. wasn't it didn't, it didn't catch me. But the Amethyst mixtape is it's literally what changed it for me I need to give it I See, just haven't I can appreciate Tanache because she just seems like she works oh right. my god you know does what I mean she? like she's always putting out something yes she always has a new video she's always you know and I love seeing people regardless of if I feel their music or not that you know they're not bullshitting for social yep. media the like especially is there. Yeah, yeah especially since they were it. trying to give her such high titles when she first came out and then she was kind of like in and out initially you know she put out that that song two on and i think that was her first like high single but she'd been making oh, music yeah. before that but it she was, was almost... part of a girl group right what she, she has yeah. several mixtapes that caught that were like cult classics i'll look it up while you guys talk yeah because <laughs> that two on project with uh who was it schoolboy q like that after that shit blew up i had to get into that album i was like all right let me listen because someone told me that she was really really good live and so for pop i didn't have a lot of pop people so Tinashe was kind of my pick, and that first album was hidden for me, and then she dropped that mixtape after the album. But she had mixtapes yeah, out before it. She's she part was of a the girl called the Stunners. You know what? I had seen that, and I wasn't sure what it was. Yeah, Tinashe is talented. That. There's some depth there, and uh, I'm so glad to. It's something. 2007. There's something wow. about being like a creative and knowing that she has been allowed to just make the type of the type of the type of music rather that okay. she feels, huh? The type. Sorry, go ahead. The type of music that she feels <laughs> needs to be released. Like she's able to make it. She has that freedom. And so I love to see that. And I just think there's a place for her. So it's really cool. Yay, I'm Tanache. happy for her. I'm really happy for her. And it so, says her group was founded by Vitamin C. Remember Vitamin C? The graduation oh, song. Yes. Oh my God. How funny is that? I did not know. That. Place. Shout out to Vitamin C for knowing what's up. Thank you for Tanache. Right? Wow. Well, shout out to Tanache. I haven't I didn't get to check the project out as much as I wanted week. to. Just my standouts. I was really fucking with sacrifices, say la vie. And, I like um, company. That's a single, right? Yeah, company company, company. caught my eye initially. It was stuck in my head. And I remember not really caring for it, but for whatever reason, and it wasn't even like my favorite performance, but when she performed on Wonderland, um, which was supposed to be MTV's like big first live thing in years. I was like, okay, Tinashe, like she always can work a stage in a set, which I like because every time I see her live, I'm like, all right, I can fuck with this. 
Until she puts on them coats and shit. But we'll get back to that. So we'll hope she ain't putting on them coats for this next tour. Um, so I want to shout out Tinashe. And really, really fast, I also wanted to shout out, because uh, I put y'all on the hood hood wave last week. So um, if y'all got got through that Waptober. The uh, hood wave. If y'all got through that, that Gucci, Jeezy, and uh, 2 Chains, just to give you an, another little piece. If you're up with the Harlem folks, don't forget to check out ASAP Mob. They put out the Cozy Tapes, Volume 1. Um, it's got... <laughs> Obviously, ASAP Rocky, uh, ASAP and ASAP, she might not have even known or heard of, along with people such as Lil Yachty, Franz Fravit, and uh, Lil Uzi Vert's on there. <laughs> so, you know, there's some tracks on there that you guys I like need to ASAP definitely. Ferg. Oh, yeah. He's Did so you listen Harlem. to his album? I just fuck with Did him. Did you listen to ASAP Ferg's album? <laughs> not the whole thing, no. Somebody, y'all listen to ASAP Ferg's album. He be sounding like, he, him and Missy He's need to work so together. He's so dope to me. Him and Missy I don't Missy know what it is would, that he just stands out to me so much. Yeah, I kid you not. ASAP Ferg I think there's Missy. like a lot of musicality to the music he's drawn to. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the yes. beats, like he's down to be like experimental. He's not trying to sound like everything that's out. Yeah, he actually, like, wants to, like, branch out and yeah, create. Yeah, like, because like, I, I feel like everyone's melodies sound the same. Everyone's beats sound the same right now. Everybody's, like, a knockoff of Future or Bryson Tiller. Like, that's right. all. You, it's either or Just right now. Just following on trend. Yeah, or Drake. It's one of the three. You have to follow the formula. But he doesn't sound like anybody. I think that's cool. Hey, super duper fly. Oh, and last but not least, uh, just because I want to do my church announcement now, don't forget to check out Riketti. Um, she's going to be performing at Pompette Wine Shop, but she did just drop her single Friday night. So hey. check out Riketti. Mm-hmm. Congrats on that, Riketti. <clears throat> yes, yes. Riketti. And again, she will be performing at Pompette Wine Shop. That is going to happen November 20th from 5 to 7 p.m. That is going to be so at... So sad I'm missing that. 420. <laughs> Y'all had to pick the weekend. <laughs> I was not here. You need to blame her, okay? The <sighs> date was set Riketti. for the 13th. And she didn't switch the game up. But, you know, we're going to just email some (laughs) folks back about their submissions. Uh, We will be uh, taking some more submissions for submissions for this year going into next year. So keep uh, looking out for that. Again, we are looking for. uh, Will this be a monthly thing? You know, we have to figure it out. I want it That's to be. Cute. I want it to be a weekly thing. Honestly, dang a lot, weekly. Yeah, enough people. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of work. Enough people have like submitted. Like, unless he decided cool, to do though. multiple artists, you know, in a session, it's really gonna fall on Moselle. So, if you want to talk to Moselle, harass him about that. Uh, visit him at Pompet Wine Shop. That's on 420 Malcolm X Boulevard or 420 Lenox Avenue. It's gonna be on the back store on 131st, and that is in Harlem, New York City. One zero zero three seven. Hey, I knew things. <laughs> um, I'm gonna wrap that up with the music man segment this week. Uh, Before we close been- that musical door, <laughs> I want to stick my toe in it <laughs> and represent for my girl Mary J. Motherfucking Blige, who released oh. her video for Thick of It today. She and had the, the old school blonde. Yeah, she bowl. did the old school blind mushroom, mushroom cut. The video is amazing. It's so simple and so just true to who Mary J. Blige is as an artist. She looks amazing. She sounds amazing. The song "Thick of It" is so personal. It it gives an inside look as to what her experience has been like as a woman who is experiencing divorce for the very first time. We all know how hard it was for Mary to find love and to admit that she had found love and be comfortable with being happy. So. Real Mary J. Blige fans are like on pins and needles, like, oh my God, our girl just got comfortable being happy. Mm. And somebody took it from her. So we want to make sure that she's okay. Mm. One way that we can do that is by supporting her single, Thick of It. The video so is good. amazing. She wears a Yankee cap and, and bamboo earrings in the video. Yeah, true And Mary. it's just real Mary J. Blige singing about love lost and 
It's amazing. Support her album, Strength of a Woman. Go look at her video for Thick of It on her Mary J. Blige Vivo channel. Just search for Mary J. Blige Vivo. You'll see Thick of It, and I guarantee you that you won't be disappointed. Shout out to Jasmine Sullivan for co-writing that song with Mary J. Blige. Really? Yes. Come on, Jazzy. And um, known. We're just known. looking forward, so... Shout out to my girl, Mary. Everything will. Mary is a person who we can confidently say everything will be all right. Hey. Come on. Shout out to my girl. Shout out to Mary J. Blige and shout out to Cynthia Bailey, who is actually my friend. Mary J. Blige is my friend in my head, even though we met, (laughs) but whatever. But Cynthia is really my friend, so I can say to her, like, everything is going to be all right. Real shit. You'll be good. And speaking of everything being all right. Oh, wait. Well, last, last thing. Just make sure you all will hit us. Um, Just make sure when you show the artist love, continue to show them that the friend zone sent them. Uh, It's really dope to see you guys do that. Uh, Even today, Xavier Omar still getting love from his project, which if you have not shouted or checked it out, make sure you check it out. Check it out. The Everlasting Way. And Daniel Caesar is going to be at SOBs um, this Wednesday, November 9th. It's I don't know if it's his debut, but we mentioned him on the show. You guys checked him out and loved him. So much feedback that his A&R from Universal actually emailed us and invited us to the show. So we'll be there, which is awesome. So if you felt his music and you're in the New York area, see you at SOBs on Wednesday. Hey, so if you're listening to this today, you got a couple of hours to come see us. <laughs> and don't forget Don's The Redemption Era project's coming out soon. Shout out to Detail Don. Soon. Shout out to Don Richard and yes. her amazing artistry. She's one person who I can truly say she invokes emotion out of me. Dawn Richard's music and her visuals make me feel something. So Yay. shout out to Dawn. Good for her. <laughs> Definitely an artist. 86, Asante can artist. vouch. 86 makes me do what, Asante? Cry. Literally. Literally have watched really? him. Literally L- have. Asante has literally seen me tear up. It's something Look, about the melodies, the lyrics. I can say one line to him and he will just like, like add it. So, uh, he's Look. like, that's enough. <laughs> he gave Asante the up. palm. Some things change, baby. Some things stay the same. Well, don't do same. it. We don't want him to Some tear up. stay the same. <laughs> He's being mean. If you have not listened to Don Richard's 86, listen to Don Richard's 86. That was one of the fucking... <laughs> But let's move on. We'll, Don, we gonna Before give you, we move we, on, let me just know, because people need <laughs> no, to understand no, 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 what no, the song no, means, no, right? No, no, no. Next week, we're going to give Don a whole corner because I actually want to go through each project. I want to go through the golden era. I, I don't even want... No, nah, I'm not going to go that okay, far so back. Okay, so but, you know what? Under normal circumstances, I would be like, fuck that shit. I'm finna say what I got to say. Mm-hmm. But you right. I'm going to wait. We'll do <laughs> we'll, this we'll next give, week. We'll and the a- reason that I'll wait is because there's a story behind my love for 86. Oh. I, I was in a certain place. Y'all know, friend, I love you so much. And you know that <laughs> I love a moment. And so I was somewhere Damn. at a certain time when that happened. <laughs> well, we'll be more mindful. Thanks again to Talkspace for supporting this week's episode of The Friend Zone. Therapy should be affordable, confidential, and convenient. So thank God for Talkspace. That's exactly what Talkspace is. Only with Talkspace do you get unlimited messaging to your dedicated licensed therapist for just $32 a week. Join over 300,000 users who already know that with Talkspace, you can text, audio message, or video message your therapist as many times as you want without having to wait a week for your next appointment. And that's because with Talkspace, your therapist is always in your pocket or on your computer. That's for real. I've tried Talkspace. It's super dope. Just log into the app. 
there's a little cute combo code in there in case somebody's trying to be nosy and see what you're talking about with your therapist. So definitely utilize that if you're saying some things you need to get off your chest and your boyfriend or somebody trying to get in your business. <laughs> so don't forget, help support the show, The Friend Zone, by visiting Talkspace.com slash zone for a special $30 discount off your first month. <laughs> or download the Talkspace app. How's trap music going to come on? are you talking about therapy? <laughs> Hey, I mean, that might be my therapy, you know. I mean, don't judge me. Oh, you know, future might help me through some things, okay? It ain't the codeine, it's just the track, yeah, let me okay? Not trap shame. So, again, help support the show, The Friend Zone, by visiting Talkspace.com slash zone for a special $30 discount off your first month. Or download the Talkspace app on the Apple or Android app store and use coupon code ZONE. Talkspace, therapy for how we live today. Okay. So speaking of feeling better once again, <laughs> let's go into this week's asking for a friend. What do you have for us, Asante? Gonna make better. Sorry, I had to do that last part. Uh, again, if you want to email us, don't forget that the email for the show is thefriendzone at loudspeakersnetwork.com. You can actually email us there the things that you want to send us. You don't have to email us that and ask us where to send emails. It's happened again. I could not believe it. I just had to say that. So this week, plot twist. I'm reading the email. Because you've never done that before. Right. In a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Shouldn't have left you without a dope. Right. So here we go. So this email is titled, Can't Be Your Therapist Yet. Hey, lovely people. My name is Imani, and I'm a college junior at an HBCU, and I stay on campus. This letter is all about interesting girl down the hall and the dilemma she brought into my life drama. She was here at the beginning of the year, and me and my friend and I tried to befriend her, and at first it was great. Let's fast forward to now. Almost the end of the semester, and I've gathered that the girl has real issues that need help. I'm all about mental health. No musty brain over here, as I am a psychology major myself. The things that she has gone through in her life have greatly affected the way that she forms relationships. The unhealthy attachment she had to me and my friends was the first sign. She would want to be around us 24-7, even when we were all doing things and are busy with work, and we get and she would then get really angry when we chose our work or solitude over her. She would buy us lots of stuff, saying, don't worry about it, my friends deserve everything, and make up for odd scenarios about her dying and ask us what we would do to help. Oh, my. She would also repeatedly say, I just want you guys to be the best friends I never had. After a while, I had enough. So I sat down and I had a deep conversation with her, trying to understand, And she told me that everything and her pain seemed so fresh and seemed like she was reliving it as she spoke. At first, because of that, I tried to help. I've grown to care for her and her well-being. But then I realized how time-consuming and trying it was to actually try to help her and how unreceptive and defensive she also was. It was very contradicting and a bit out of my growing skill set. I continuously suggested that she seek professional help because she needed more than I could give her, and they even offered it on campus. Once, I kind of stepped back a little, and she got offended. She said I wasn't being a true friend. 
that upset me because I felt like I just met this girl and as a 20-year-old in college trying to get through, it's too much for me alone to try to take on, let alone for her to have to deal with. And if she can acknowledge that she has a problem, then she should also try to help herself. I I have not talked to her much lately, but I send her text messages occasionally occasionally saying how positive words of encouragement can help her and offering them in that case. I can only do so much, but I still feel this strong urge to see her through. Am I being selfish by putting myself and my education first when issues like this are what ultimately I'll be dealing with in my career? Thank you guys so much for the feedback. I want to help my friend and I truly love the show. Hmm. And I read it, so I don't have to go first. <laughs> Fran or Asante, what say you? I mean, isn't it kind of like practice with her friend? No. Uh, part of me, because this is the profession that you chose, feels like that's why you have this responsibility to help this person. But um, at the same time, you are a human being. You are young, and you have to really figure out the pieces that make you before you can go and help somebody else. And I think that's like the, the really big thing that's going to stand out to me here. Um, with that said, you really can't help. Like, again, you can't help anybody else until you're able to like really do for yourself appropriately. And I think, um, that's what you're really trying to come to terms with because you don't want to feel, seem like the bad guy, the bad person here, but there really isn't, especially this, this stage in the game, I don't feel like there's a way you cannot be the bad person. You really, because you are young, you have to just do what's going to be right for you and deal with the fallout of things after. I feel like that's terrible advice, but that was really how I operated. Um, how I still operate in some instances, like I feel like if I have to do something and it's me or you, I'm going to, you know, do what's for me now. For a very long time, I always did for other people. And this is going to be a profession, so you're going to have to do this, you know, all the time in certain in certain aspects, you know. So if you don't want to do it now just yet, you can get away with it. But at the same time, it might be good practice for things that you're going to have to do later on in your life already. <laughs> How are you going to manage this? Because, um, again, you know, I just really want to stress, you are young and I get it. But, you know, it, it might be good ninja training for you to figure this out now. You know, the, the best way to finagle um, dealing with this person. And even sitting down talking from your point of view. You might have talked and heard from them, but... You know, sharing a lot of where where you're at with this and how it affects you might give them insight. They might be like, well, this person can't help me any damn way. So, you know, be very transparent, clear. And I think that's going to help you figure it out as well. Um, I would I would base helping her or not on your personal interest in this friendship. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I can't help the world. But if it's a friend that I find valuable and there's something and that's not to say that we can really help anyone, at the, right. you know, in life true, true, at true. all. People have to figure out their own shit. But if you can provide that nudge to kind of be like, yo, are you good? You know, like, are you okay? Because I notice, and be real, like, I would say it straight up. Yo, I notice these attachments you have, like, it's something about it doesn't feel right to me. And I'm wondering if it feels right to you or are you acting out? in a way that you feel will make me like you more? Or is this how you really act? Like, what is it? Because something feels off. And I'll just say that straight out. This this reminds me of our theater masks episode, remember? Mm. Where we said, how are you acting out um, 
to reconnect with your lovers and friends? And how does that tie into how you had to act out to receive that same type of love from your parents? Because all you're doing is reenacting the same scenario over and over again. And that's probably, she got that probably from, you know, trying to find that same attention from someone in her life. And you could be the saving grace if you care to be. That's always the key. If she's someone that you feel in your heart, you know, because if any of my friends, whether it's Dustin or Asante, anyone, if I felt like there was something that, you know, I'm like, mm, I don't know, I would talk to them just because I feel like when it's your friend, it's your obligation. But no one is your obligation at the end of the day. So it's your choice. I think that um, I think it's very telling of not only very telling, I think it's very confirming that that this is her passion that mm-hmm. she feels this conflict anyway. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like she the can fact, even see those layers. Yeah, the fact that she feels like she has to do something and the fact that she has, feels like she has to do not only something but the right thing, that's very telling of the fact that this is her passion. So, baby, you're already ahead of the game. You figured out what really moves you through life. So that's amazing, <laughs> right? Outside of that... You cannot control your friend's behavior at all. No. All you can do is offer perspective. You can offer some help. You can offer, and really, you guys are the same age, so you really can't offer any help because you guys are going through the exact same changes at the same time in different ways. So I think Mm -hmm. that you can point her to maybe some resources that you can identify that directly will help her, like things that are specific to her and her case. Um, If not be her best friend literally like think about things from her perspective and offer her some some guidance or some help based on that say to her like if you watch her if you know her and you know things about her way the way that she grew up and you know things about things that have taken place in her life and her adult womanhood offer some type of guidance based on that when you know a person and you know their story you know why they end up making the decisions that they make. And as a part of being a friend, you have to offer empathy. So if you understand that about her and you understand why she arrived there, it's not about telling her that she got there the wrong way. It's just about offering her the tools and the help that she needs to get out of that motherfucker and never come back. So (laughs) do that. Yeah, and love. That's it. Fuck love, but you know, <laughs> love her as a friend. If love, yeah. <laughs> so that's it, right? Thank you for writing in. Um, this week's black business highlight is gonna go to my lip box, <laughs> which me and Dustin were laughing because we were like, "What's in that?" We thought it was a party box. We thought it was gonna be like you know a, a cheese tray or something in there. We it. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. A literary box. It's a subscription. You know, subscription services are... No, you didn't. (laughs) Subscription services are all the rage. And you guys know we love books and we love supporting black business. So Sonora is a beautiful black woman that has created this My Lit Box company. And it's a... My Lit Box is popping. My Lit Box is cool. It says, with a focus on diversity, you will receive a newly released novel by writers of color from various backgrounds. With new novels hitting the shelves every day... Titles will be carefully selected that are interesting, exciting, and relevant to that month's theme. So that's really cool. Not only are you supporting a woman of color, but you're supporting 
writers of color as well from various backgrounds. So check that out at mylipbox.com. And that's the Black Business Highlight of the Week. You do you guys have brain, read. Do you guys have any church announcements? I just want to say thank you to everybody that supports everything that we do. Every time I run into somebody in the subway, in anywhere in New York City, in any city that I'm in, I've run into people in Dallas. I've run into people in Atlanta, friends on supporters. So I just want to say thank you to all of y'all. And I promise I'm going to have some church announcements that will make y'all niggas proud very very, very soon. Yay. Shout out to LA. Thanks for all the love. Got to go out for the read live. Met some really, really awesome friends on supporters that want us to come out there. So, you know, if enough people out in Los Angeles want us to come out there, you know, let us know. We're going to try to make something happen for you guys at some point. And um, special shout out to Asia, <coughs> who is at the first live show that we had. And she was at uh, the Re Life out there. She brought me some stuff back from Tokyo, Japan. So I wanted oh, to I know, uh, Asia. shout Hi, her Asia. out. Yep. She's dope. Really appreciated that. And um, outside of that, this Saturday, I will be speaking at a Young Men of Color Symposium. Um, I don't think that that is going to be an open thing, but I'll try to like do an audio or something and post it somewhere if anybody cares about that. And it's run by my high school buddy, <laughs> Dwight Bedell. How crazy is that? <laughs> small How small world. is the world? But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it that I have coming up. Fran, what about you? This week, I will be in Cashville, Nashville. Cashville. Hey, <laughs> Nashville, Cashville. Hey, cash, cash. <laughs> you hear me? Cash me. Cashville, Catch me around because I, I will be doing some production and filming around the Way, so you might see your girl. I don't know what streets around or anything to tell you to catch me on, but you know, I'll just be around. And then, I'm around like Remy. <laughs> right? I'm around. And next week I will be in LA for my wellness retreat. If you have not bought your ticket, the tickets are still available. It's a pinned tweet on my Twitter that will take you straight to it with the description. I will be there. Um, all week next week pretty much but the retreat itself is the 19th and the 20th so that's it for me that's it for this week's show we love you guys this if was you a made long it, one if you made it to the end of this episode tweet Hillary praying that Hillary won <laughs> by the time you heard this episode tweet hashtag Hillary with the praying hands emoji yes. Hillary with the pr- hashtag Hillary with the praying listen you with us <laughs> you would have hashtag right. Hillary with the praying hands emoji. Please, y'all, Please. don't be a dumb bitch. Vote for Hillary <laughs> on election day. You have no other well, choice. By the time they hear this, it'll be, be over. That's what I'm oh, saying. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope you dumb motherfuckers voted right. Okay, I hope y'all voted for Hillary for real because I know I am. <laughs> Because I know that that's the smart thing to do. There's no other choice. Donald Trump is a rotten piece of shit oh, and that I, will fucking ruin your mother and parents' life and yours and your grandchildren, everybody's life. Why would you support coding. that? There's last, no reason to support him. Last, last thing before we go, I just want to also say thank you to Grapevine TV because we put up our political discussion. So great. Uh, it was really, really dope to be part of a panel with a lot of beautiful brown faces, super educated folks. It was really awesome. So shout out to Ashley Acuna and thank Thanks again to Grapevine TV. Look them up on YouTube. Follow them on the Twitter and the Instagram as well. All right. That's it for this week. For us this week. We love you guys. Thank you for Stay listening. Stay black and protect your Bye, Bye. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.